Meteorologist Joe Puma. Today it's going to be 73 for a high. It's currently 70 actually. Clouds continue with storms this evening after 4 o'clock, so relatively soon a low of 61. Tomorrow 60 to 60% chance of hit or miss showers and storms, a high of 81. Sunday sun and clouds, 50% chance of storms, but a high of 86. And then Memorial Day, cloudy, a 60% chance of showers and storms, a high of 83. As I said, 70 degrees right now at at WJBC AM 1230. Where should I begin? Can we talk about this? What are you trying to say? Beyond the usual controversial talk. Blah, 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 on and on. Over there. Prepare yourself okay. for Craig. Okay. Preparing a mighty new spectacle here. Articulate, <laughs> stimulating, yeah. hit you right in the... <laughs> there you go. You start becoming a team right now. This is the Craig Collins Show. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, no. On WJBC. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Now your host. He's a good man. Craig that's right. It's Greg Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. Thrilled to be with you every single day on AM 1230 from 2 to 6 o'clock in the afternoons. Uh, this is actually already my fourth hour of radio. I did three other hours on a nationally syndicated show that I'm not sure I can mention, um, although it doesn't broadcast here. I, I don't know. Uh, you can go to my personal Facebook page if you're friends with me and figure out more about that. Otherwise, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show. I'd love to get more of an audience on my social media page. And I've seen some more um, connections there, as I've been mentioning it more in the air. So thank you to anyone that's liked me uh, recently or in general. 829-2345 is the phone number. 829-2345. Usually I would have a music guest on, but we had to reschedule one for this week, uh, partially in the hopes that we eventually have them in studio, uh, which has been the plan all along for my Friday music segments. But I did get word that we won't be doing that for a while still here uh, as we slowly start to reopen. So it's going to be a bit, um, but I will have music again starting next week. Just wanted to give you that programming note. A lot to cover today, both serious and not serious. And as I debated what to talk about first, I couldn't help but want to give an update on a story I talked about yesterday. Not again because, or maybe this actually was Wednesday, not because... I'm as interested in it as as maybe it would seem, but mostly because I got several messages on my social media uh, from fans or listeners or even friends uh, that just said to me, uh, you got to see this. There's an update on the hot nurse story because (laughs) I mentioned it on Wednesday. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, a nurse in Russia decided that she might be more at risk than not if she wore clothing. Uh, well, going to work because she thought the virus could get on fabrics. So even though she has plastic and, yes, see-through coverings and she's got the mask and everything, she showed up at work in a a bra and underwear, essentially. Uh, I guess some people were calling it a bathing suit. Her name is Nadia. She's 23 years old. And, yes, she's she's attractive. Uh, This went viral on social media and also got her in trouble at her place of employment. And she tried to defend herself, saying, hey, this, to me, made more sense Uh, Because I guess maybe they don't have exactly the right equipment that they need at that hospital. So this was, to her, the best option. People have come out in defense 
of this nurse, at least in Russia. Uh, several politicians in Russia have said things, and I quote, here's a few of them, no disciplinary methods should be imposed on this young woman. <laughs> That's one of their, their members of their house there. Another person said, in no case should the girl be punished. I am sharply against any kind of punishment for her. And then a doctor uh, with one of the uh, alliances, medical alliances there, said that she thinks the real commentary was on the lack of the proper equipment. She said, firstly, a plague-proof costume should never be transparent, and it must be made of a completely different fabric, uh, thus meaning that the thing she's wearing isn't as protective as it should be. We need to pay way more attention to the problem in the equipment and way less attention to her underwear, <laughs> which I just I do find this incredibly amusing, and I don't know if it's just solely because I, I'm a juvenile. That could be it. That's fine. Eight two nine two three four five. If you want to call in for that, but more, and I'll continue on this road throughout the day today. We're so hard up for any kind of stories, any kind of news that this is going to go viral for days. Although, as I say that, I'm aware that a 23 year old showing up to work, you know, the way that she did. That probably would have been covered by the news any day. Although I don't know if all these politicians and all these individuals in her home country would be as defensive uh, about this story if it weren't the day and age in which we live. Uh, but there are several individuals coming to her defense, which is just amusing me so, so much. Uh, but I digress. Let's move on to other things. Uh, something else I saw that I thought was fairly amusing. This is a uh, restaurant or excuse me, a grocery store based in Missouri. They realize that their salad bar may not be the most beneficial thing. Uh, one, because it's hard to clean. And two, because a lot of people weren't hitting the salad bar in this day and age. We have people that are putting on more weight. People are turning to comfort food. It's just a thing. It's a byproduct of the, the days in which we're living right now. So what did they do with that space in their grocery store? Uh, they turned it into a tiki bar. <laughs> they put a bunch of alcohol, a bunch of booze, a bunch of beer in these ice containers within what should be a salad bar. They also put a bunch of candy in the in the other container areas. And then finally, they did put some things that maybe you'd have a little bit more benefit, cereal and or energy bars, which were just all stacked together along with just a bunch of alcohol. And apparently it's a hit. They have seen it be very active in that area. People are, are going there quite a bit and enjoy the fact that a lot of these things are on ice. So I wonder if the grocery store moving forward just sort of embraces that you know screw these salad bars right now we'll get back to those when everything gets different but for now the tiki bar in the grocery store seems like a move that many should try i just i love the story uh one of the people in responsible for the chain said on an everyday basis we challenge ourselves to build the best possible displays we can a crisis wasn't going to get us in any way uh, less creative so we went this road and it's been a lot of fun uh, i added the last part but essentially they're saying that their creativity spiked and, you know, they've turned something that was not active, not doing well, into something that's doing incredibly well. Uh, one last story, and then I will take a break. I saw this announcement yesterday from CBS. They are going to have a special. Uh, it's actually airing next Friday, not tonight, unfortunately. I'm sure many people will be sad. Called Haircut Night in America. Uh, before I explain it, caller, what's your name? Uh, Steve. What would you like to say, bud? Well, did you see Joe Biden today? Oh, I did, yes. I, I actually have that audio from Charlemagne the God. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, Steve. I will talk about it a little bit later on in the show today. Uh, but what you're referring to is an interview he did with The Breakfast Club, a highly rated radio show with um, 
um, you know, a few different hosts, Charlemagne the God being probably the biggest celebrity on that team. Uh, and while they were talking, Charlemagne, who is an African-American guy, said he wasn't sure who he should support, Biden or Trump. And Biden came back with a, you know what, I don't even know if I'll say it all, but uh, essentially a quote that said he doesn't think it makes any sense to support Trump. But it's viral what he said and how he said it. And I will play that audio in a bit. Uh, did you think it was something oh. else when you heard it? No, huh? We're thinking the same thing, so I won't say anything. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it, though. The quote itself, the way in which it's spoken, and granted, this is at the tail end of a 45-minute a conversation where there was a lot of, of acting a way that Joe Biden doesn't normally act. But then that last sentence, man, that's going to be all over the news, all throughout the day. And just another, it's just another one of those moments with this guy where it seems like he, I don't know, when he goes off book, it's real, real bad, uh, Stephen. Well, he's, uh, he's, he's on the onset of dementia. Some are uh, saying that. Some are saying it might actually be yeah. some level of illness. Yeah. Uh, my dad had dementia, and he did the same thing. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you could actually uh, see the similarities because he's, he's put his foot in his mouth a lot, but that's all kind of also been his thing all along. Uh, when Joe was yeah. vice president, they didn't like to send him places because they didn't know what he would say. That's, that's a thing that already existed uh, for this politician for years. What? Yeah, that's why I had to take take your son along to your train in China. Yeah, no, there you go. And then also, apparently, he did a local news interview sometime recently for one of the stations near him, and his rep got on halfway through to say it was the last question, partially because Joe wasn't making any sense. Uh, but thanks for the call, man. Oh yeah, watch watch CNN all the time. He does that all the time. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I uh, thank you again for okay. the call, bud. Bye. I think that that uh, that member of his team uh, wishes that he could do that with Joe Biden more often, even like in the middle of answers, I assume. Uh, just jump in and be like, you know what? This is the last question. We got to we got to get out of here. Much like I have to do this and get out of here, but I'll be back. Colin show on AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, the governor will be speaking in just a bit. We carry it every single day here. Uh, we carry the entire press conference, every moment of it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash WJBC AM. We carry portions of it here. Uh, typically, when Dr. Ezekiel speaks and then when the governor speaks, we'll carry both of those statements live on the air uh, with a little break in between them. But that's coming up in just a bit here on AM 1230. I do have the Joe Biden stuff, and I'll play that in a second after my caller Steve mentioned it. Uh, but I do want to finish the the story I was talking about a little bit earlier before my break about a new TV special called Haircut Night in America. Um, I will continue on this very show to be amused by the maybe the lesser standard at which we're putting out some specials, some content in these these times. And a haircut night in America is the best possible example I have ever heard. It is exactly what it sounds like a one hour special. I assume that they couldn't get it all in in just a half hour. It'll be hosted by Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine, um, who are married. They will also feature Kelly Osborne, Lindsey Vaughn, and several other celebrities. The gimmick they're going to get haircuts live on television. And it's obviously somewhat celebratory in the fact that a lot of salons and barbershops may still be closed in some parts of America, but will open in a lot of other places. Uh, they will use stylists that will show up to cut the celebrity's hair, and it will be all fun. And it might actually be amusing. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm disparaging it a tad because just the concept alone seems so silly and ridiculous to me, but I'm also probably going to watch it 
I haven't gotten a haircut in a while. I want to get one. I actually was chatting with a friend about it. Like, will you jump out and get haircuts and things as soon as it's available here? My friend was like, uh-uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that some time. I'm going to wait, and I can't figure it out. I, don't, I think I definitely want one week one, day one. I mean, moment one. I think I had somebody call into the show this week and ask me if I was going to sleep outside one of those establishments to get in early, and I, I kind of want to. But in the same token, I mean, I'm sure we're all going to do some varying degree of, of slowly returning and slowly doing things. So I don't know. But I, I just can't imagine how this pitch meeting went when people decided to make a TV show, a one-hour special that involves just getting your hair cut. Just that's the whole gimmick. I would love to have been in that room for the, you know what we got is an idea here. Get a bunch of celebrities together, have Cherry O'Connell host it, who I wasn't really sure was still a celebrity. Uh, Rebecca Romaine will be there too, which will be cool. And let's have them just, you know, anchor people getting their hair cut. <laughs> and the studio is like, you know, I love it. The only thing is I wish it was an hour long instead of a half hour. We need more time. Uh, apparently that's going to happen, though, next week. All right, another break, a lot more coming up. As I said, uh, the governor speaking in mere moments. We will start a newscast. It'll likely get interrupted. Uh, but before all that, i got to do this. Puma, uh, 73 is the high today. Clouds continue this evening. Showers are possible after 4, uh, a low of 61. Tomorrow, 60-degree chance, or 60% chance, excuse me, of hit-or-miss showers and storms, high of 81. Sunday, 50% chance of showers and storms. Stray storms are possible, high of 86. Memorial Day, 83, but again, 60% chance of rain and storms. So uh, a nice few days as far as the weather is concerned, as far as the the heat, I guess I should say, is concerned, which makes me very happy. But then, of course, a whole bunch of raining. I mean, if you go to the park, I guess, do your grilling under some sort of tent of some kind. Go into the concrete areas where you have the, the thing above you, and maybe you'll be okay. Uh, the governor will be speaking in just moments here on AM 1230 WJBC. And actually, since I was behind, maybe he's already speaking, and I can figure that out for you. Uh, but I will get that as soon as it starts happening here live on the show uh, because I know it's tremendously important that we play that. Uh, content every day, as I'm told, because, well, he's the governor of the state. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with him, which I tend to disagree with a lot of the things that are said at that time, and you can call in and react to 829-2345 as soon as he's done speaking um, because it's it's part of what is fun about doing this in radio, especially, or just in general being a part of this country. But all right, it's time for the governor to speak. Thank you very much, Dr as usual, uh, for your regular medical update and all the work that you're doing on behalf of everyone here in Illinois. I want to wish everyone a happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. All of Illinois appears to be on track to move into phase three of Restore Illinois next Friday, allowing hundreds of thousands of Illinoisans to go back to work in the industries that are eligible to reopen in the weeks ahead. Safety is of utmost importance, and we're working with industry associations and businesses, employees and doctors to make sure that we set strong health compliance standards to keep everyone safe. But we can't have a conversation about going back to work without talking about childcare. If we don't have childcare, a large portion of the workforce, especially women who too often bear a disproportionate burden, will be without any way to move forward without caring for their child themselves. From the start of this public health emergency, Illinois has recognized the importance of childcare 
for working families. We focused especially on essential workers continuing to work outside of the home. And for that reason, we included childcare in the list of essential businesses, starting with our first stay-at-home order. And over 2,500 childcare homes and 700 centers have been providing care over the past few months. That's about 15% of the previous operating capacity of our childcare system. When I issued the stay-at-home order, we implemented an emergency child care system that provided access to child care in small group settings for essential workers, people who ensure our public safety and help others, uh, our families to get food, gas, pharmacy goods that they need. And I'm particularly proud that Illinois made sure that all essential workers, from nurses and doctors to grocery store clerks and food producers, were eligible for the state's child care assistance program, meaning the state covered most, if not all, of the cost of child care for our emergency child care providers and for the essential workers who use them. And to help keep emergency child care centers up and running, the state offered a one-time stipend and paid enhanced reimbursement rates for emergency child care for 30% above what we usually pay to reflect the additional costs of providing care in smaller settings. In sum, we've been focused on supporting essential workers and protecting the health of children and child care staff. And I'm pleased to say that this approach has proven successful. To date, Illinois has not seen significant transmission of COVID-19 in childcare settings, which is encouraging evidence that childcare can be provided safely. Public health experts emphasize, however, that there is much that we still don't know about this new virus, how it spreads, and especially what effects it has on children. Therefore, moving forward, Illinois must take a cautious approach that appropriately balances the need to greatly expand childcare with the need to lessen the risk of spreading coronavirus. We gathered input from over 80 stakeholders from all around the state, including childcare providers, childcare resource and referral agency staff, legislators, advocates, state agency officials, and of course, public health experts on everything from new health and sanitation protocols to staff training needs to what supports families will need as they return to childcare. Their insights are reflected in the plan that my administration is issuing today, shaping our roadmap for safely increasing access to childcare as parents return to work. Following the guidance, all of the 5,500 child care providers who are not currently operating are being asked to reopen when their community moves into phase three of the Restore Illinois plan. For the first four weeks that they're open, providers will be able to serve no more than 10 children per classroom. Once they have provided care safely for four weeks and have gotten accustomed to the new health, social distancing, and sanitation routines, they will be able to expand to larger group sizes, though not yet their fully licensed capacity. 
On the strong advice of public health experts, these new group size limits will be roughly 30% lower than the levels they were at before the pandemic. For our licensed homes, which tend to be smaller, most will be able to operate at standard capacity. With all centers and homes online, this would bring us to more than three quarters of our previous childcare landscape in Illinois. Providers that have been successfully operating as emergency childcare providers can move immediately to these new maximum capacities when their region enters phase three. Most licensed childcare homes will also be able to reopen to their licensed capacity. Recognizing children's need for quality early learning experiences, all providers will be expected to resume compliance with all licensing standards related to curriculum, learning environment, and staff qualifications. Already, we've made significant investments in maintaining Illinois' vast childcare network during this crisis, implementing a simple waiver process to allow providers to be paid for all of their enrolled children in the child care assistance program for March through June so that child care staff could continue to be paid as normal through this unprecedented period. And for emergency centers, we increased the CCAP money that providers would get for each child. But there is more to be done. And we are working on developing appropriate business relief funds that will help to minimize the impact of these necessary restrictions. That work, that is work that we're already doing at the state level with the help of CARES Act dollars. But it's crucial that the United States Congress amplifies its support for our national childcare landscape in an upcoming relief package. It doesn't matter whether it's a red state or a blue state, Every state is home to providers who need real assistance in sustaining their business through the coming months. And every child in every state deserves access to quality childcare and early learning services. We all want a stronger, more equitable America on the other side of this pandemic. And it starts with our children and their earliest experiences. This is how we begin to build that post-COVID world. Now, before I take questions, I want to take a moment to offer additional insight into some of the changes coming in phase three of Restore Illinois, which it looks like will be one week from today. In the coming days, my administration will be releasing specific industry reopening safety guidelines that combine public health expertise with the creativity of our people to find a way forward. Similarly, my team and I have received a lot of excellent proposals and ideas from different religious groups on how to safely expand their services. Let me address that specifically. From a broad standpoint, I can say that outdoor faith services, including but not limited to drive-in church services, will be welcome in phase three. And we continue to collaborate with faith leaders to ensure that they can hold services in safe and creative ways that allow for worship while protecting their congregants. I know worship is as essential as food and water for most of us. And it's my priority to provide guidance to ensure that it can proceed safely. Thank you, and now I'm happy to take questions from 
It's the Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. Those questions actually appear on our Facebook page via the live stream, so you can check that out, facebook.com slash WJBCAM. I'm aware that I'm promoting for some people to leave my radio program while live on the radio, but look, if it's important to you, we, we value covering it. Our news organization does it from our Facebook page, so you can check that out. Maybe do a little bit of both. You know, uh, it's not always the worst thing to have me in one ear and the governor in the other. I can't imagine how many people want that, but it's it's possible. A uh, quick break and a lot more on AM 1230. So on AM 1230 WJBC, I always wonder if I live up to that, that intro uh, telling you stuff you probably should know because some of the stuff I don't know if you need it, but I, I like to share it. Uh, this story, this piece of knowledge, I guess I should say, uh, is disappointing, but I, I guess maybe not totally shocking. Only 43% of Americans out of 2,000 people surveyed know what Memorial Day is celebrating and or what Memorial Day is honoring, I guess is a better way to say it. Most people also get it very confused with Veterans Day. Not sure what the difference is between the two. Uh, just a quick answer. Memorial Day, as you can kind of tell from the name, is a honoring of all of the soldiers, individuals from our armed forces who lost their lives serving this country. Veterans Day is for all uh, military personnel uh, that are here on this planet, elsewhere, etc. Um, so they're two different holidays for sure. Uh, but obviously in both, I think it's important to honor all of our military, honor all of those who have served for us. But specifically, Memorial Day is geared toward remembering those we've lost uh, who've served in our armed forces. Only 43% of Americans are aware of that. 36% admit to that confusion between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Um, but that is essentially something that I guess a lot of us should know. And I always wonder sometimes with those polls if they just ask the wrong people. Uh, hopefully, maybe a lot more of us are aware of that difference. But apparently, at least from this poll, not so much. Uh, another thing that I saw, which was fairly interesting, and this uh, continues some sort of friction that exists between President Trump and Fox News. Uh, but Fox put out a poll of the president's approval rating, the president's uh, chances of beating Biden in the upcoming election, and his numbers continue to go down, according to Fox. Now, granted, the president then decided to tweet out that there are other polls in which he did better, and those polls actually, oddly enough, were provided by CNN and CBS, respectively, I believe, or CNBC, excuse me. So even though the Fox poll is saying something that might uh, make supporters of the president a little weary and or his own people, uh, the other two polls, the ones from CNBC and CNN, uh, speak something very different and a few hours ago as i said donald trump tweeted out the president of the united states tweeted out uh, why doesn't fox news put up the cnbc poll or believe it or not the cnn poll hope roger a as in roger ailes is looking down and watching what has happened to this once beautiful creation this is a continued conversation between fox news and the president of the united states uh, which has lasted a few weeks there's actually other audio i have of some of the hosts there either making veiled references or direct references to this this growing whatever you want to call it, which is very confusing. The president also tweeted out 96% approval rating in the Republican Party. Thank you, uh, because he saw more information that says it's weird. The poll thing, it's very odd, uh, and it's something we'll probably talk about more as we get closer and closer to the elections, because if you remember, Donald Trump was not beating Hillary Clinton at any point in any poll up until the day of the election, outside of maybe a select few. The majority of the the pundits, the 
the researchers, et cetera, whoever it was, thought that it was a slam dunk victory. And I, I laugh as I say that because I can't totally understand. A slam dunk victory for Hillary Clinton in our last election, and we all know what actually happened. So I'm not sure if we're seeing the same thing play out we saw then. Anytime you see a headline that says Joe Biden is is leading, um, but that is essentially the situation is that a lot of polls, including Fox News, have demonstrated a, a few things that, you know, uh, especially when it comes to the coronavirus response, uh, the president seems to be taking a hit. I wonder if that is partially why we're not seeing the daily coronavirus task force press briefings anymore outside of the fact that so much so many places are, are reopening and that obviously being a huge impact on on how many of those briefings will wind up seeing. But I think part of it, and this actually I spoke to Pat Brady about earlier this week, uh, if you're on camera too often discussing what is a surreal experience in our day-to-day lives, the pandemic and the response to the coronavirus uh, outbreak throughout the United States, listeners, viewers, whatever you want to call them, start to tie you to this pandemic more than needed. If you're every single day putting your face on television and or the radio, the the average voter may start to really connect you and your messaging to whatever is going on in the world. I think case in point is probably also our governor who's giving these press conferences daily. And a lot of people have have responded quite negatively to some of the rhetoric he was providing, some of the things he was saying until just the other day. I mean, honestly, if you look at this week of press briefings, as far as our state is concerned, it is a surreal transition in messaging that happened during the week. And I know a lot of people will say the science changed overnight, which is a thing, by the way. During this coronavirus outbreak, we have re-understood things on an almost daily basis several times. But the science that's being referenced by the governor when he started to change his messaging was several weeks old. And how do I know that? Well, from the now uh, aforementioned and no longer happening coronavirus task force conversations that mentioned similar things about the summer and sunlight, et cetera, being valuable in pushing back the spread of COVID-19 weeks ago. This is something that happened at a federal level weeks ago and at a state level happened only a few days ago. I think that is one of many reasons why as the the strategists, I couldn't get the word out, are saying it's probably not intelligent to go on the television every single day, to go on the radio every single day and speak through things if there aren't valuable new pieces of information to provide. If you have real new data on a daily basis, you should be in there giving it to us. If you don't, that might not be the best move literally politically in order to do this, if not just in general, because, again, it's not a, an opportunity to, to campaign. It's an opportunity to inform And I'm not sure we always see that all the time. Quick break, a lot more on AM 1230. This is Brian Walder. Major of tonight, mostly cloudy skies, a few showers and storms possible. But that's through the evening hours. It'll be low around 60. Then tomorrow, uh, starting out the weekend, we'll see a few showers and storms early. Then again, during the afternoon, a high near 81 as temperatures will continue to rise throughout the weekend. A few showers on Sunday with a high near 86. It's 72 degrees and 11 minutes past 3 o'clock. Get more news at the bottom of the hour, or as it happens, I'm Blake Haas on the voice of Central Illinois, WJBC and WJBC.com.
You're listening to The Greg Collins Show on WJBC. Hey there, Greg Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. I have a new friend of the show. His name is A.J. Harris. He is one of our news people here that's usually here in the middle of the night all alone. I, that's the way I've heard it. Is that correct? That's It's basically it, yeah. Okay. But now as things are going crazy and we have, we're short-staffed, Neil is on vacation this week, uh, you are here more, which means you jump on the show every so often. Yeah. I appreciate it. I was just talking to you off the air about a brand new TV show that debuted last night. Oh, my God. I, well, honestly, like sort of surreal, some of the stuff that's going on. The, the gimmick, and I don't know why the dating shows needed a gimmick, by the way, because Netflix did a few. Uh, one of them was you get to know people, but you're locked in a room, and they're locked in a different room. You don't see them. I oh, yeah, they, uh, Love is Blind. Love is Blind, yeah. thank you. And they went through weeks of getting to know each other without anyone knowing what anyone looked like, and then eventually you're deciding if you're going to stay in that serious relationship you developed after you see a person. Uh, there's another one out now. There's some sort of like Temptation Island thing uh-huh. on Netflix, and the gimmick is no intimacy. Yeah, you can't uh, right. actually do anything. Right, because there's some amount of money you're going to win at the end, and the money keeps getting nicked at if you even like make out or something. So that's, yeah. that's odd. Uh, but this show, the one from Fox yesterday, It Might Take the Cake is the honest of things. Uh, it is called Labor of Love. It's hosted by one of the actresses who is on Sex in the City, uh, and a contestant is there. Her name is Christy. She is looking to start a family. So the the 15 contestants, I should say, are the ones vying for her heart and did the other stuff yeah. that, that's involved in making the family. So network television last night started the show with a fertility doctor having conversations about, and I quote, active swimmers. <laughs> and I, I couldn't figure out what was happening. I was like, is this, are we... What is this life like right now? Because that just seems such an odd thing and that you'd need to pass that bar to keep going on the show. I, I just, where are we at, AJ, as far as the stuff? Well, how would, you, how would you like to be one of the people who didn't pass that particular oh, test? Like, they're like, right. okay, you, you know, Glenn or whatever have to go. Right. But And this, this is the reason why I'm sorry to inform you of this serious thing on national television. Yeah, yeah, we're going to use this in right. a clip. Oh, this is totally on the on the show. But, you know, be on your way. Right, Here's a yeah. t-shirt or something. Right, exactly, yeah. I but can't. The, Go ahead. The fact that this is a show. At all. Like, it's mind-boggling. Well, like, I, what I think is, is going on right now, this is my assumption, is all the stuff that people pitched and got rejected years ago is, like, cycling itself back in. They're like, I don't know, man. We're not developing anything right now. What does anyone have? <laughs> and that one guy in the back is like, well, a year ago I told you guys labor of love. We're going to make it now. It's totally fine. Green lit. Yep. Right. Let's Every- try and get this lady pregnant. Like, oh, my God. That is, that is legitimately, it could be a tagline for the show. <laughs> Let's try and get this crazy. lady pregnant. Oh, you said it twice. Yeah. Moving on. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, there's another story I saw that, that caught my eye, mostly because I am a huge Yankee fan. And I think if I had been the police officer in this situation, maybe I would have considered not, not doing, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could say that. But anyway, Aaron Judge's girlfriend, her name is Samantha got pulled over and wound up getting a DUI, getting arrested. This is back in February. The footage, which has been obtained by TMZ and released recently, demonstrates that she tried, while being arrested in Arizona for a DUI, to name drop her boyfriend, (laughs) Aaron Judge. She said things to the effect of, do you know who my boyfriend is? Eventually then saying, this is going to be bad, when she realizes like that's all out there. And also just uh, continuing to tease the idea of, you know, you don't understand. My boyfriend is in the spotlight in New York media, and now here I am in handcuffs in Arizona. This is not going to go well. But pleading with the officer to let her go 
because she's dating a famous New York Yankee means a big deal in Arizona. Well, and you know, they're they're a team that has national appeal, I guess, but this is you're right. It's not the the New York the guy's not wearing like a Yankee emblem on his his, on his uniform hat. or something, I assume. And so and you have to know that they're they're recording it that this could be viral. My main curiosity is how Aaron Judge reacts to this, both if he was told after it happened and now that it's all leaked, like I would consider breaking up with the individual. Yes. I'm not trying to be mean I just be like, how did you tried to name drop me while doing what? Yeah, it's not gonna work what out. If, what if he like called the police station and was like, Hey, yeah. do you know who I am? The cops <laughs> like I've heard. I still don't care. Right. It's still illegal. We're in Arizona. Did. Yeah, this is not okay. <laughs> um, and I, I yeah, I just couldn't believe it though. And the, the video really does kick into the fact. By the way, she she blew a point one two five when she was pulled over. No, that's not it though. She wound up going back to the station and and blowing higher uh, higher alcohol contents the next two time point one six nine point one eight one. I mean, she like did shots like yeah. while she was getting pulled she, over. She was still on her way in the bad direction. That's not good. No, it's not. She said she split a couple glasses of wine at a steakhouse, <laughs> but that does not seem to be true. I just can't envision if you were that connected to a famous person, whether it's a relative and or you know a spouse or something. The name drop thing in general, like how do you strategize? Do you talk to the famous person about it? In this situation, I'd like to try to drop your name and see because it's not even you, you know, and there's no. no offer for things. It's like, do you know who I know? Yeah. Not even do you know who I am? Do you I, know who I have right. met? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we could do it that way, Scott Miller would never get in trouble for anything. Uh, anything. He knows you, everyone. Right. Do you know who I've met? <laughs> that just pull out the photos, be like, I'll be on my way. And actually, this. This topic inspired me, not because, you know, DUI and speeding ticket are the same thing, but I, I was wondering how and when people get out of any of these kind of pulled over moments. Mm -hmm. There is an article out from carinsurance.com, uh, okay, a little selfish, uh, or a little self-serving, in which a thousand drivers talked about the number one way in which they got out of some sort of mm -hmm. speeding violation. And apparently, and I don't know if this is cops filling it out too, being honest had 41% of the times of success, uh -huh. just telling the truth, whatever it is the truth is, whether it's something dumb and or, you know, something that would make sense, that is your way, that's by far the most likely scenario to get you off. The worst possible scenario, while still working sometimes, you really got to pee, which <laughs> apparently 16% of people have said. Why? Why? Right. But up to 41% of people said they got away without a ticket at least one time by just being honest. Yep. Um, I asked you off the air if you have ever gotten away with one i have because i've never but let's hear your story first of success i was i was actually on my way here really it, it was again like two in the morning because i'm a gargoyle that works here uh -huh. apparently and cop pulled me over for speeding and he's like do you have you know an explanation for why you were speeding i'm like well i'm going to work and he's like oh okay i'm like well don't get me wrong i'm not late or anything yeah. i just i'm just going there i'm just going there there's, there's no emergency i'm just on my way there so he like went back to the Little squad car. Why did I say little squad car? It's, <laughs> it's a normal size squad car. I wish it weren't. I wish it diminutive, were a like little. Yeah. You got pulled over by the one guy with a tiny car. Yeah, it was weird. He's on uh -huh. a go kart. I'm like, why am I getting pulled over by <laughs> I'm a go kart? Not sure he was an officer at all. How was I even speeding if I'm getting caught by Truthfully, a go kart? Yeah. So, anyways, he comes back and the he was like he was a really really nice guy and he came back and he's like, listen, he's like, I appreciate that you didn't say that you were super running late and that's why mm. you were speeding. He's like, I appreciate your honesty. He's like, I'm gonna give you a warning this time. Wow. You know, watch the watch the speedometer. Uh, I'm gonna go get back into my my uh, go kart now. And 
and go give play it, give a little and honk. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. But yeah, See, he, let, he let me go because I, I was honest. I wonder if it's just jarring for police officers to be told the truth in that situation. Could probably a bunch of us lie. Probably oh, yeah. the vast majority of people are like, no, no, you have no idea. Like this horrible thing is going on that I have to get to. I have never in my life gotten a, a warning, not one time. And uh, I will give you the worst possible example of this. I was in high school. I had just gotten my license recently. My little brother's in the car with me at the time. He's like 13, 14 years old. And a cop pulls up next to us, and my brother realizes he's not wearing a seatbelt. Mm. The cop doesn't seem interested in us at all, not a little <laughs> bit at all. And my brother looks over to me and goes, Greg. And I'm like, <laughs> what, man? What are you... I'm like, I don't just don't. And then he starts looking at the cop. Then the cop starts looking at us because he's staring at them. And I'm like, you're making this way worse. And then my brother very slowly lifts his, his right arm all the way up to his shoulder. The cop is staring at us. And I'm like, this is the most obvious. And slowly pulls the seatbelt all the way down to a click. And then the cop just looks at me and goes, go ahead with his hand. I start driving when the light changes. He pulls up behind me and pulls me over. Yeah. And then I proceed to have a conversation with him. I'm like, he, like we just left. I don't know. And he looks at me. He's like, I'm sorry, man. For your own, for your own good, you got to learn this lesson. I didn't even do it. It wasn't even you. It was your brother. Right. I'm. I barely have a license at that point. I'm like, this is the optimum situation for warning, not ticket. And yes. He was like, here's a full ticket, maybe two, if you'd say anything else. I mean, the the fact that it probably didn't help that your brother thought the cop was like a T-Rex and like couldn't see him <laughs> if he if he moved slowly. But the, right. fact, the fact that he might have been like looking him directly in the eye, like uh -huh. it's almost like a dare. I don't like, know why my brother assumed, though, that like the police officer was going to be so abundantly aware of his non seatbelt <laughs> like, situation yeah. that he had to whisper it in the car <laughs> next to him. Like he's the cops right. going to be like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're talking about seatbelts. Is he saying words out loud? Mm. I, I, I've to this day asked him why he chose to whisper in that moment. He's like, I don't know, man. I just I felt really intense all of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, obviously you did. You made so many mistakes. Uh, a quick break, a lot more on AM 1230. If you have a story of how you got out of a ticket or anything like that, I'd love to hear it. 829-2345 because I've never lived that moment. <laughs> Greg Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC, talking about beer off the air because AJ, who's one of our news people and hanging out with me uh, every uh, day right now this week, at least so far. Um, are you back next week too, by the way? Uh, yep. I'll be here during the day okay. next week. Yeah. Well. Cause I think Neil's doing the morning show because uh -huh. we've got some people moving around. Mark Strauss is in mornings, which everyone's excited for. He'll do great there. Uh, but I, I want to talk to you about this as a bartender, as a food Bev guy, uh, Burger King debuted a new product. Granted, I think it's only going to be served in Italy for now and they're pretty happy about it, but maybe it'll come uh, more places like here. It's called the Socially Distant Whopper. Okay, you're going to have to explain this. The reason why is that it's loaded with onions. It has a <laughs> triple load of onions on it, is what they're saying, which makes, and according to their commercial, it very likely that people socially distant with you, <laughs> uh, the triple onion Whopper helps you stay away from others and helps them have no interest in being around you, according <laughs> to the promotion. It's, it's true. Yeah. I, I don't know that I, I ever shy away to the onion product or toward it because i know that i'm like out in public i just you bring like mints with yeah i know like some sort something to mitigate the the onion stink right as it were right maybe you, i don't know if you really want to go crazy you bring a toothbrush you go brush your teeth in the bathroom although that would be weird to see happen at a bar nah, i think that'd be fine <laughs> you've seen weirder i have okay. actually but like, i don't, I don't want to know that on the air <laughs> i don't i don't want to have it in my brain see, and yet i go. go um but 
So I, I think it's clever that they're doing that. Yeah. It is. Like, it's a way to, you know, sell burgers or whatever. But who wants that many onions on a burger? See, that was my other question. I, I don't think that I'd ever really enjoy a product that's that onioned up. No. I just I don't get it. I mean, maybe if they're, like, fried onions or something, there might be some way to make it somewhat more appealing. Just a bunch of onion rings on the top of my yeah, burger. Yeah, that's, that's different. But, right. they, the, like, they don't have, like, the same odor <laughs> as... As like raw onions no, do. No, they don't. It don't cause the same problem. The the thing that makes me happiest about this story though is the one dude who's always wanted this but always said no because of the social part of it. <laughs> He's always like, wanted this many the, onions. The one guy who's been like, I've never had that before. <laughs> I've always said no. This my dream came true today. That guy is my favorite guy. He's going through the drive through at a at a Burger King. In, uh, in Italy right now, like the happiest dude. <laughs> like, I don't care about anything right now. Like, it's finally his right. time to shine. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's throwing the onions in the air as he's consuming them. <laughs> that guy is my dude today. Just happy to be alive. <laughs> I never thought it would happen. Like Quick. Rubbing onions in his hair. Exactly. Like, why? Who knows? Quick break. Maybe he's bringing extra onions with. <laughs> Quick break. A lot more on AM 1230. See Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Cloudy skies for the rest of the day today with a few breaks of sunshine. Temperatures in the 70s, a little bit warmer than the last couple of days, and expect the mild weather to continue overnight tonight. Low temperatures close to 60, mostly cloudy skies continuing. And we'll see a warm front pass through the area overnight. Could see some scattered showers and storms late tonight into tomorrow morning along the front. A few more thunderstorms possible later in the day. Can't rule out a couple of stronger ones tomorrow. Otherwise, a warmer and muggier day with high temperatures reaching the low 80s. A few scattered showers and storms possible once again on Sunday. Otherwise, partly sunny skies. Warm and muggy with high temperatures in the mid-80s. Then showers and thunderstorms likely on Memorial Day for Monday's forecast. High temperatures staying in the 80s. Daily rain chances and warm weather continues for the upcoming work week. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. It's 72 degrees and 35 minutes past 3 o'clock. And more news at the top of the hour, or as it happens, I'm Blake Haas on the voice of Central Illinois, WJBC and WJBC.com. Now, back to the Craig Carlin Show on WJBC. Hey there, it's Craig Carlin Show. AM 1230 WJBC, hanging out with you every single day, 2 to 6 o'clock in the afternoons here on AM 1230. Uh, Check out the show every day, please. I will be back next week, too. Uh, Mark Strauss will actually be on in mornings next week. He's usually in middays, but he's going to have a fun time, I think, in mornings, and you should listen, as you probably always do, uh, because I think those are going to be some really great shows. I have to start. I I haven't talked about this yet. I had a listener call in and mention this story uh, early on, and I saw it when it happened today, uh, when this broke, but... Uh, it's sort of a surreal conversation. And actually, before I even talk about what Joe Biden said, I want to point something out because I've I've seen this a few times now in videos and, and interviews that he's been giving. He has aides that are usually around him. These are people that help him. That's what he has. He has helpers. Uh, that might be a better word for it. Uh, that that every so often interject while he's giving interviews to say it's time to wrap it up. And they do it on whatever air they're on. They've done it on on local television station news conversations when people are interviewing uh, the former vice president. They do it in radio interviews. Uh, One of his staff tried at the 11-minute mark and the 18-minute mark of this long conversation he had with The Breakfast Club and specifically radio host Charlemagne the God 
Uh, but he he was having a conversation, and twice the person tried to jump in and say that Jill Biden needed the office to do a live stream of her own, and Joe and the host of the show, uh, Charlemagne, both said, "Come on now, uh, let's let's keep going with the conversation we're having." Um, and so they kept going. And toward the tail end of the conversation, Charlemagne the God said yet again that he wasn't sure who he was in support of, uh, the current president of the United States or Joe Biden in his campaign to become president in this coming election season. And Joe Biden responded with what is being covered a lot of places. And he's already actually, by the way, in the hours since this aired this morning, he has already said he regrets saying this. But here is what he said. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black, it don't have nothing to do with That's what he said. He said that if you have a problem choosing between me and Trump, and then he said this phrase the way he said it, which just, it confuses me even the way in which he articulated the concept that if you don't support him, apparently, according to Joe Biden, you ain't black. Here, I'll play it again for you. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black, it don't have nothing to do. Charlemagne the God is an African-American human, uh, by the way, first and foremost. And he then responds by saying it has nothing to do with, I guess, Joe Biden per se. But he, he gives some of what I think a lot of people would give as reasons to consider either one. But Joe Biden has been covered all over the place now for the latest. And again, this is probably the kindest possible way to describe what he did. Uh, gaff, accident, mistake, uh, unintended sounding thing. Uh, or the worst way in which some people have certainly been described it, something that uh, pings of racism, something that seems to be articulated in the, the strangest of ways. You ain't black, uh, articulated in the, the weirdest of senses and just the, the overall message that he's saying that only people who actually are a certain thing are the ones who support him and everyone else, all the, I guess, according to Joe, fakers? I don't know what a better word for it would be, Joe, are, are in support of the president um, and Charlemagne obviously had a problem with it. And more importantly, the president, uh, the vice, the former vice president, Joe Biden, has already apologized for it via The New York Times. He's already said he regrets the statement. Caller, what's your name? David, how you doing today, my friend? Good, man. How are you? Not so bad. Better than I deserve. Fair enough, hey, Dave. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I got a quick comment about this. Sure. Uh during the Ferguson, Missouri, and during the Baltimore problems they had, uh, we had people in charge at that time were Barack Obama, Eric Holder, and uh, Mr. Biden. Yes. Well, we all know what happened there. That turned into a massive problem. Uh, and for them to take care of the whole world with the coronavirus, I don't believe they, if they could take care of that small uh, area. How could they take care of the whole world currently? Sure. Them guys disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, the only guy that made any sense at that time was Charles Barkley, the basketball player. Sure. Retired. Yeah. But uh, no, when you... I think it's a great point, Dave. Well, I mean, you you hate to see old Joe uh, get in and make a misstep, but uh, obviously his handlers aren't got much control over him. Well, that's the other thing, too, and this is sort of surreal in the fact that it happened a couple times. Uh, in the article I was reading, it mentioned it, and I went back in the audio and found it. The the aide, uh, the the help person, the, the person on his staff, tried to get the interview to stop twice before it got to that point. And I actually made this joke earlier. I wonder if whenever they do 
end an interview before a mistake because Joe seems like he makes them in almost every conversation he has. They sort of celebrate. I wonder if there's some sort of like popping of champagne, like, yeah, we got one. We got the whole conversation out and no mistakes were made. And again, that's probably the nicest possible way to describe what, what happened today. But he keeps doing this. Joe, I think it was a month ago, said that we are not going to have a lot of economic intercourse if we don't do something about all the pandemic responses. Obviously, that's not a thing. Um, And so these just continue to happen. And honestly, I know that a lot of people are saying maybe he's sick, sick. Maybe there's, you know, a medical problem. This has always been the case with him, as you sort of point out, Dave, that throughout his career, he's not really been capable of of making public statements a lot without somehow saying something in a way that he probably shouldn't have. Well, the way that ended up with Ferguson in Baltimore, weeks later, uh, uh, police officers were assassinated in Texas and uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that anybody ever made that right or not, but uh, that should have been a problem that should have been uh, taken care of in a better fashion than what those two guys did. Instead sure. of being on Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, Maybe Barack Obama should have been taking care of that situation when it was first starting out. Fair enough. Thank you, as always, for the call, Dave. See you later. Bye. Bye. This is the Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. You can call in, too, for any reason, 829-2345. We were talking about a lot of things, um, but I specifically am also talking a lot about the latest in a line of, of, at best, uh, misspoken sentences by candidate for president and former vice president Joe Biden I just I don't know. I don't know the right way. If you're a strategist, if you're a member of his staff, I don't know the right way to navigate these things moving forward. Caller, what's your name? Hello? I know that there's someone on the phone. Are you there? This WJBC. Hello? All right. I heard somebody in the background, but they weren't speaking. So I'm going to take a, a break here in a minute. I am going to shift gears a little bit, too. But please continue to call in if you want to speak about uh, that story. 829-2345. Covered a lot of places today, uh, but not all the places, actually. Uh, caller, what's your name? Hello? All right. Uh, I think we're going through a loop there, so I'm going to let that go. The other story I have in front of me is about the different responses to this uh, um, mail-in ballot kind of conversation that's going on right now, including three different expert opinions that have been weighed in. uh, Actually, not currently. These are things that have already been submitted to our our world of knowledge uh, from a while back. But they are comments from the National Conference of State Legislatures, the CATO Institute, and MIT's Election Data and Science Lab. All three of these organizations have pointed out problems with mail-in balloting, especially in a sense where it became the predominant, if not only way, to cast a ballot in something like an election because of fraud. Uh, There is a conversation going on right now in which it feels, according to the coverage, utterly one-sided to even insinuate that mail-in balloting might be a difficult thing to, to actually execute correctly and not increase the likelihood of potential for fraud. Here are the statements from the National Conference of State Legislatures. Uh, because the ballot is cast outside the public eye, the opportunity for coercion and voter impersonation are much greater. Coercion by family members, employers, union leaders, religious leaders, or others may occur. This would be a purposeful version of of convincing someone to vote a certain way, which in and of itself sounds kind of scary. Voter registration rolls, this is from the CATO, are notoriously inaccurate, containing numbers of names of voters who have either passed away, have moved, or otherwise become ineligible to vote. In 2018, this is pointed out in this statement, 
California was sued over maintaining 1.5 million inactive voters within its files. And then finally, from MIT, even even many scholars who argue that fraud is generally rare agree that fraud with voting by mail seems to be more frequent than in voting in person. And that is MIT saying that if we do open ourselves up to a a substantial amount of mail-in voting, there is a risk of increased fraud because as obviously as just as simply as logically as as you could possibly put it if you don't have to be in person to cast it it would be much harder to make sure the person who submitted the vote was a hundred percent who they say they are and also not being asked and or anything else to cast a ballot a certain way or in some cases maybe not interested in voting at all and someone else is using that that voting opportunity when they shouldn't be and as I see coverage of this and I see different responses on, on news organizations about how it's ridiculous to even insinuate that fraud could exist in the mail-in ballot world. And look, I, I have talked at, at nauseum, I think, about COVID-19 and the, the different seriousness, the reality of that, that disease, the reality of the infection rate of it. I completely understand we are in a unique health situation one that we've never really experienced in our life, our lifetimes that makes it more likely to have conversations like this and for people to to be safe, to be protected while also using one of the most fundamental of our rights, voting. But to pretend that mail-in voting doesn't increase the chance of fraud is just as surprising as anything else in this conversation to me. And so many different news organizations and cable channels talked about it as if it were ridiculous to say. And it just doesn't make sense. It's very obvious in just the most simple of senses. And I'll say it one more time and then I'll take a break. And I have other news to hit a, hit today, other lighter things for those of you that want those kind of things. But if you don't have to go in person and prove that you're who you say you are, it's obviously easier. I don't know how much, but obviously easier, even according to MIT, to have fraud be a part of that process. A quick break, a lot more on AM 1230. The Craig Collins Show on a Friday. I know, serious and, and political at times, but also will be silly after this. Show on AM 1230 WJBC, hanging out with you every single day here on AM 1230, Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 o'clock. Uh, thrilled to be here. I saw that uh, a few different things are out there in the news. One thing that interests me a lot, though, is that Ohio is going to allow wedding receptions of up to 300 people starting very soon and further loosening coronavirus restrictions in that state. Uh, this has had a, a pretty big amount of response from individuals on the Internet. And I, I wonder what you think. 829-2345. I, I personally think it connects to other stories I've talked about this week as far as, you know, gimmicks to help us socially distance from each other because that is still important. Well, attending stuff like this. But up to 300 people starting June 1st uh, can attend a a wedding reception. This allows catering and banquet centers to start making income, to start being part of the economy again, just like so many other companies that have been hit by this. Those industries have certainly been struggling, and that will no longer be the case. On Tuesday, miniature golf, batting cages, and bowling alleys may resume. Again, this is all in Ohio, not here. Uh, we will have certainly different restrictions for quite some time. Uh, the governor of Ohio said that we recognize that people want to go on with life and we are trying to provide guidelines and recommendations as to how you can safe, do that as safely as possible. Uh, we want to proceed with cautious optimism that when we follow the proper protocols, 
we can resume the activities in life that we love without negatively impacting the health of our loved ones. Uh, but how does this connect to the things I was saying a second ago? I don't know if you heard me, but earlier this week I talked about how a bar in Maryland was adding bumper car tables to its outdoor experience, allowing you to essentially play bumper cars while dining outside. Uh, I've had stories about how the pool noodle can be put on your hat to give you a six-foot degree of separation from anyone around you, and that might be an avenue here. So even if you have a big venue with 300 people attending it in Ohio, there must be ways to, to... give people an opportunity to be distant from each other. And then obviously the, the easiest of ways is the choice to, to not go. If you're someone who were worried about this, the choice to not go would certainly be provided. But Ohio is choosing to start allowing these things. And certainly I imagine encouraging for a lot of outdoor activity to be what this, this event is. Uh, this connects to, again, more conversations as far as religious ceremonies go. Uh, that are being permitted all different kinds of places. So these conversations continue, these changes continue, and we will monitor and watch as best we can for any and all the information from a health perspective, from a outbreak, serious illness perspective in these areas. But it, it just is kind of odd to read a story like this sitting here in Illinois, understanding just how different the perception is somewhere like Ohio and somewhere like here. And I, I know it's a good thing, that all of our states can make their own decisions. But I, I wonder how you feel about that. 829-2345. I, I imagine some of the audience feels that Ohio is going crazy, that they're way too uh, ahead of the curve on this, and that it's probably a mistake from a health perspective. And there are also individuals who think that this is is probably no big deal, and that honestly we should already be here as well in our own state. But 829 2345 Ohio will now allow wedding receptions of up to 300 people, further loosening their restrictions. I'd love to have your reaction to that story. And honestly, also what's been going on here in the last few days and the fact that very soon we will start having more things open, uh, more ways in which you can go out to eat, more ways in which you can get your hair cut. All of those things will start uh, at the end of this month here in our very own state. And I wonder if you have a reaction to that. A quick break, a lot more after this on AM 1230. Sanjay Gupta within this segment. Neurologist Brian Walder, remainder of tonight, mostly cloudy skies, but a few showers are possible. That's later on in the evening. It'll be a beautiful evening with sunny skies right now throughout the rest of the evening with overnight low around 60, currently sitting at 72 degrees across the Twin Cities. Tomorrow, a few more showers and storms early, then again in the afternoon hours. With a high near 81, we'll see temperatures rise throughout the remainder of the weekend, but storms continue on, a high near 86 on Sunday. It's 11 minutes past 4 o'clock. Get more news at the bottom of the hour. Or as it happens, I'm Blake Haas on the voice of Central Illinois, WJBC and WJBC.com. Time for more Craig Collins-style news on WJBC. Hey there, it's Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC, hanging out with you every day, 2 to 6 o'clock. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show. I try to put stuff up there, although I forget from time to time. I'm on the Instagram, I'm on everything else too. So if you happen to be a young person, uh, or honestly anybody that's on the Instagram or any of the other platforms, the social media platforms, I'm even on the Snapchat. You can find me there. The content is going to be more sparse on some of those than others, but I'm there, and I'd love to connect with you there. So Craig Collins Show on, on your favorite social media platform, I probably have an account of some kind. Uh, so please connect with me, chat with me during the show, as many of my listeners do, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I saw a recent study 
at a camera. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll talk about two different things. The first thing is not the one I was just going to mention. It's actually something else. I saw a study that more people than ever are avoiding coronavirus news or at least reporting a complete amount of, of I guess it would be unhappiness, um, it just there it's not the kind of thing that they want more of no one is saying to any of the the polling places that they crave additional information a significant amount of people are actually saying that they quote unquote avoid news because they're often inundated with this this information that we've now spent several months dealing with and yet there is also a surge about a 54% surge since since late march in traffic to some of the top websites in the world and some of the the news organizations that exist in consuming this information. So while we continue to report how detrimental it is to our mental health, among other things, to, to be seeing and hearing and talking about whatever it is, all of the different COVID-19 things that exist on a daily basis, and certainly some of which I cover on the show every day, uh, we are devouring it in the sense that the the appetite isn't stopping. The And I don't know if this is something that you're just falling asleep at night with the phone, et cetera, and you just can't resist clicking and seeing some of this news because it is, uh, to an extent, still kind of shocking. Um, and certainly, as we talk about reopening places, tremendously interesting to see what the news is in those locations, what the news is here as we continue to move forward. But to to state out loud, as so many of us do, that they're just sick of it, it's, it's enough, we need something else, uh, tremendously makes sense to me. And it's something that it's hard to navigate the right amount of any of this stuff because it is, of course, something that's vitally important to us every single day to know what's going on. And at the same time, I think, and I, I even talked about this when I had vacation recently and took a week off of any and everything, news, radio, television. I just, I spent a whole week free. It was tremendously beneficial to my brain to do that. And I'll probably do it again. I have another uh, vacation coming up in a little bit. And uh, to me, those kind of things can be tremendously valuable. So it's it's hard to find the line with this kind of stuff because even in these uh, in these polls we're talking about, we're saying one thing and doing another. Caller, what's your name? Hi, this is Pat. Go ahead, Pat. What would you like to say? Um, I was listening to what you were saying about the getting coronavirus information, and yes. to to me, it's kind of like. Um, when I was going to have a major operation, my doctor told me, please, please don't get on the Internet and read all about everything. Oh. And and I didn't, and I was a lot better off. Now, right now, I'm in a position where I'm on overload when it comes to all of this virus stuff. I understand that it's important and that people are, are dying from it, and we all have to be informed, but there's a point to where... I think sometimes when I get up in the morning, I'm just letting it control my life because it's the yeah. first thing that comes into my head. Yeah, you know what? And honestly, let me ask you this question because I'm curious what your answer would be. An eight two nine two three four five. Anyone else that wants to weigh in on it, uh, even though uh, you know it's it's out there, it's everywhere in the world. And I know this might even sound dark in the way I'm saying this because it's it's horrific that we're seeing lives lost every single day. Does it feel at a certain point like the movie Groundhog Day? Like every day it's the same thing. I don't know if the oh, news, yeah. I don't know if it's changing anymore. It's just more of the same news and maybe we've all hit that breaking point of okay. We understand that part of things. We'd love to try as much as we can to to do other things too with our lives. Well, and they're you're you're right and they're always saying breaking news. Well, 
I probably know as much about the coronavirus as I do about anything right now. <laughs> and I, I just, I'm just so tired of it. It, it kind of brings me down. And yeah. I'm, a, I'm an older person, and, you know, this is supposed to be, I'm supposed to be relaxing. I'm retired. Uh, and it just kind of bums me out because, I mean, the fact I can't see my people, my neighbors and stuff like sure. I want to, but. The, just the fact that I'm thinking, here I am counting down the days, and what do I have to look forward to another day like yesterday? Yeah, wow. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Pat. It's really interesting to hear you say, especially that your doctor, uh, when they decided to schedule your procedure, to stay away from the Internet and don't read anything on it, because that, that is well, really good advice. Uh, thank you for the call. Oh, sure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sure. Uh, other people, feel free to call in, 829-2345. I'd love your opinion as far as if you're done. Are you are you at your breaking point as far as the amount of information you can handle uh, as far as COVID-19 and coronavirus is concerned, even if that information becomes somewhat necessary? I'm sure that the most vital of information, uh, for example, if there was something really serious going on in our uh, direct area and you needed for your own safety to be given that information, I'm sure we'd all want to still hear that. But other than that, the things we read about what's going on throughout the world, maybe maybe it is a time where we're all collectively starting to feel, you know what, I, I know that stuff's going on and I'm not trying to, to dismiss it, but I'm not sure that it's helping me to know that anymore. Um, I saw this story and I like it a lot because <laughs> I've had internet issues for a while, uh, which I've talked about on the radio, and I don't know if researchers in Australia were just like, how do we make Craig feel as bad as possible about the fact that he's having an internet issue? Uh, they found a way to achieve a world record speed for internet, a world record speed. They improved internet speeds, which are common on broadcast or broadband connections, by one million times. One mil- I don't even know, one million percent, one million times. That is incredible. That The average speed of the internet would be one million times slower than the speed that these researchers in Australia were capable of finding. They're calling it microcombing, an optical chip that contains hundreds of infrared lasers that transfer data across existing communication uh, infrastructure throughout Melbourne. The highest commercial internet speed anywhere in the world in Singapore were an average of 197.3 megabits per second. In Australia, the average download speed, 43.4 megabits per second. This speed, 44.2 terabits per second, which would be a whole lot faster uh, just in case you're like, wait a minute, the uh, the numbers sound the same. Well, the word changed substantially. A a terabyte is about a million megabytes. So that would be millions and millions of times, one million times faster than the average speed, which is just insane. I want that internet. I have no need for it, by the way. If a salesperson were to call me right now, just envision this. You pick up the phone. Are you happy with your internet provider? I don't really know. How would you feel about something one million times faster? Yes. Yes, I would like that. I would like that a whole lot. That sounds amazing. Do I need it? Is there any reason why I'd ever need my internet to operate that quickly? No. There is no scenario on this planet where that needs to be a thing, where we need to get a million times faster in that world. And yet, of course, with all of us dependent so much on internet right now for our gigs, um... I'm sure we wouldn't hate it if it were going just a little bit faster. And I don't know what the cost would be. If you improve something by a million percent, how much do you do you raise the cost of it? If, if it gets that much faster, do you say, you know what? I'm going to cut you a deal, though. It's only 100,000 times more expensive. I have no idea. I saw this story, too, uh, connected to the Internet concept 
a lot of companies are now going to permanently permanently allow people to work from home. Facebook was one of the biggest ones mentioned recently, saying that it's it's up for the idea of allowing more and more of its workers even to relocate throughout the country, since so much of the work can be done on a website like that from home anyway. But there is a growing list of more and more companies who are saying that their products, their services, what have you, are capable of being operated, and they've had success, I guess. Any company that's navigated this uh, this pandemic with you know, kind of a, 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 as little to harm and maybe even no harm uh, for their employees, for their work, is probably saying to themselves, you know what, this this doesn't mean that, you know, we have to stop this just because we're capable of having people back in the office. Whether or not people want to be in office spaces is a different conversation, and there's actually people on both sides, although more people seem to be saying recently that they've enjoyed working from home more than working in the office. But just the fact that more and more companies are going to say, that this makes sense for them, for their way of work, I think is the beginning of a very significant thing. And actually, and I don't mean to get up on my soapbox and really talk about the potential fallout in this, but but think of it this way. If the biggest companies in the world, the ones that exist in places like Silicon Valley and California, are capable of having their workforce be throughout the United States and or, and or throughout the world, how much more competitive does getting one of those jobs get? Uh, how much more competitive does it get to get one of those jobs in a place like this, how much, how many of our, you know, neighbors would wind up working for Google while also living in Bloomington, living in anywhere in the state, in the country, or as I said, in the world. Once we truly get to that point, which a lot of younger people, a lot of millennials like myself have always said was a thing that might eventually happen. I'm sure a lot of people say it, um, but I think for the most part, my generation would be happy about this. I'm not sure I would, but a lot of, a lot of people would be. Uh, it would be an interesting change in the world to have so many companies uh, start to embrace the concept that, you know what, none of my employees ever need to actually be located in the same places our company is located in. That will be an interesting thing if and when we ever hit that in a large scale. But more companies every day, according to this uh, story, according to this information uh, that's out today, are joining that list of, you know what, we don't really need people in. Facebook being the first and a bunch of other online companies so far being a majority of the ones that make up this list, but there's more and more every single day that are joining the, you know what, it's better for us and it's better for the the employee. They're happier, they're more productive, so maybe it makes sense. We'll see if that's one of the biggest changes as we navigate back through this. Quick break, a lot more on AM 1230 WJBC. Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. Governor Pritzker looks forward. And that's Dave Dahl. Let's go ahead and say good evening to uh, Brian Walder. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Cloudy skies for the rest of the day today with a few breaks of sunshine. Temperatures in the 70s, a little bit warmer than the last couple of days, and expect the mild weather to continue overnight tonight. Low temperatures close to 60, mostly cloudy skies continuing. And we'll see a warm front pass through the area overnight. Could see some scattered showers and storms late tonight into tomorrow morning along the front. A few more thunderstorms possible later in the day. Can't rule out a couple of stronger ones tomorrow. Otherwise, a warmer and muggier day with high temperatures reaching the low 80s. A few scattered showers and storms possible once again on Sunday. Otherwise, partly sunny skies. Warm and muggy with high temperatures in the mid-80s. Then showers and thunderstorms likely on Memorial Day for Monday's forecast. High temperatures staying in the 80s. Daily rain chances and warm weather continues for the upcoming work week. 
From Heart of Illinois ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. It's 72 degrees and 39 minutes past 4 o'clock. Get more news at the top of the hour, or as it happens, I'm Blake Haas on the voice of Central Illinois WJBC WJBC.com. Your water cooler discussions just got better. More Craig Collins Show on WJBC. That's right. It's the Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC, hanging out with you every single day, Monday through Friday, here on AM 1230 WJBC from 2 to 6 o'clock. And thrilled to be here, as I hope you're thrilled to to be here as well. Uh, 829-2345 is the phone number if you'd like to get involved in the conversation. Uh, And as, as I say on my show... It doesn't really even have to be on topic. If I'm talking about something, but you got a, a hankering to talk about something else, I welcome those phone calls. I like when this is a two-way conversation. If the phone's not your jam, but you don't mind getting on the internet, then go to facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show. You can connect with me that way. Tell me all your thoughts, anything you'd like to share uh, via the internet, and I will also talk about that right here on the show. So both ways, either way you'd like to get in touch with me, do it via the phone, 829 2345 or just go ahead and uh, find me on Facebook or any social media. I'm on all the other ones, too. Should we refrigerate tomatoes? <laughs> That's a question that has been asked. That's a question that has been answered by science, and now one that I'm tremendously interested in sharing with you guys because, I, I don't know, I guess it's just the kind of thing that I, I navigate toward uh, or I, I gravitate to is what I should say. A new study found, and this is in the Frontiers in Planet Science magazine. No, I am not a subscriber. It's not on the... Uh, the old table in the house or in the bathroom, but <laughs> I found it on the internet, has determined once and for all whether or not we should put tomatoes in the refrigerator. Uh, we do it, by the way. My wife and I, we do it. We have quite a few vegetables that we buy every single day, and they all go in the bucket in the bottom of the fridge, and just, I think, like bananas or something sit out. Maybe apples do. The finding? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I love that as the finding. There's no significant difference whatsoever in flavor in the duration of of value that a tomato has, if it's in the fridge or not. The science dove deep into this study. They did a whole bunch of research. There's a bunch of graphs sitting in front of me uh, talking about the sweetness, the aftertaste, the tomato taste, which apparently is now a scientific term, the green odor, which I guess is a thing. Uh, There's a bunch of different other things, the tomato scents that are available, and no discernible difference whatsoever. I wonder if that's true about a lot of the things that we do that way. A lot of the products that say you think to yourself, okay, no, this definitely goes in the uh, in the fridge. Okay, no, this doesn't. I wonder if a lot of those items, it's really just our own like mental well-being that we do it for that reason. I put them in there. I think that I would judge a tomato that had been left out. Even after science has told me not to judge said tomato, I think the moment that I see one like sitting on a counter for a few days, I'm going to be like, I don't know. I don't know about that because... You know, actually, it it happens a lot. My wife and I, and I think maybe I've talked about this on the show a little bit, but we have totally different uh, opinions of when something goes bad. Um, And it's just the way in which we were each raised. And even something I've experienced a lot when I've gone and visited her family in Mexico, they, they leave a lot more food out than I'm ever willing to leave out. And sometimes they tell me it's just like it's the farmer in all of them. That there's some aspect of that, and I know I got a bunch of farmers uh, in the area, so I'd love it if any of you call in and say it's similar for you guys that you know I stuff doesn't go bad at the same rate for you that it does for other people because all the time for me if it's a day past whatever the expiration date is, and I think I've actually had people call in before 
because I've talked about this before, uh, and tell me that those expiration dates, they're all, you know, the worst case scenario kind of things. They're all the Governor Pritzker version of planning where you have to make sure that as soon as it could possibly maybe uh, be something that, that goes a certain way, you plan that direction uh, and not the way in which it's probably still good for a few days. But I, I can't help it. If I look at something and the day on it says the past says any day other than today, why why would I consume that? I, I don't know if it's also kind of a benefit, of course, to me going out and buying new products before mine are, are expired, which I do often. But I will actually, I'll even judge a meal. This is the funniest thing I do. Um, funny, I don't know in what way. But the, the strangest thing I do is if, if I'm halfway through eating something and Betty, you know, made it deliciously, it tastes great because she's obviously usually the one that cooks, not me. And then I find out at some point during the meal that one of the items might have been expired I have a completely different experience all of a sudden. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you know what? I don't like this. I don't want any more. And it's just in my brain. Uh, caller, what's your name? Uh, Steve. Uh, what do you yeah, want to say, bud? My, I put all my vegetables in the refrigerator. Do you? Every single one, including the tomato? Oh, yeah. I got some in there now. I just got them the other, uh, Wednesday. No. Do you think that uh, it tastes different to you if you left it out or put it in the fridge? It, it does. I mean, I, I just like to have things chilled. Yeah, I mean that. There you go. I I, uh, I I totally agree with you, Steve. And it's it's weird because like I really would judge it if someone left something like that out, even after on my radio show. I just read that it's totally fine. I still don't think I can get over the mental hurdle of a caring. I'll still care if it wasn't coming out of the fridge. I just like everything chill. I mean that's just uh, that's just yeah. the way I am. Yeah, but I know, actually, Steve, you're one of the guys who's called me off the air before and said those expiration dates don't really matter. They're they're kind of set up in a certain way. Uh, they're not really, you know, the end-all, be-all and when things are no good. Well, they, they just can't sell past that. That's, you know, that's, yeah. that's the health department. Yeah. Hey, another thing, on the vegetables, Shoot. When, when, when sweet corn season comes around, you put you can put some in the fridge and it'll keep up to two weeks. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, you put it in that. Well, my go ahead. In the husk. Yeah. In the husk. My wife has been freezing all kinds of stuff that we didn't used to freeze before, especially early on in all this when stuff was harder to get at the grocery store. We didn't want to buy a whole bunch of it, but we also wanted to like ration as much as possible. So she'd freeze like I think almost everything that we that we would buy and eat. It was now coming out of the freezer instead of the fridge. But but when the sweet corn season comes around, if you like the Put a half a dozen ears, you know, you get a dozen, you know, yeah. don't want them all. Just don't don't shuck it. Okay. All right. I'm game. Uh, thank you for the call as always, man. Okay, bye. Yep. I like sweet corn. I'm a fan of the sweet corn. Uh, but, yeah, I love that science. I'm going to keep saying this, too. It's something I've said a lot on the show over the last couple of weeks and something that my buddy Cody Goff helps me realize since his podcast, award-winning podcast, covers science news on a daily basis. That's the Curiosity Daily podcast. Um I think scientists are bored. When you do a deep study into whether or not a tomato needs to be refrigerated and you have way more, I mean, like this is the most impressive science fair exhibit I've ever seen in the history of my life as far as the amount of data that they're pouring out in this article. And a lot of it I'm not reporting to you because I don't totally understand why there's equations in front of me because, again, it's to decide whether or not we should put something in the fridge or not. And the answer, the result, my favorite part, and it doesn't matter. Uh, caller, what's your name? Yes, Steve. Again, hey, hey, if I if I can get a hold of some uh, sweet corn during the sweet corn season, I'll uh, I'll we'll set up uh, get to some.
something to you and Betty. Okay. You are going to have to do it as socially distant as possible, Steve, which means you're going to have to throw it across a football field to me. I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, sit, I'll sit it on the porch. I okay. Mean, I'm, not I'm not afraid of this. But, there you go. Uh, well, good. I love it, man. I like sweet corn a lot. I, I look forward to it. Thanks Thanks for calling back. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, my boss retired, and we don't have the land anymore. We used to raise a bunch of it. Oh, wow. And okay. If I, if I can get my hands on some, I'll give you a call. Fantastic. I look for that. Call me off the air. I don't want that on the air because I, I want that to be in secret. we got to do a, an almost a drug deal of sweet corn at some point in the future. We'll, we'll do it off the air. Somebody Fantastic. All right. Thanks, okay. buddy. Bye. All right, talk to you again soon. That's 829-2345 for anyone else that wants to call in. And also give me food. Uh, I'm totally open to that. Anyone else that wants to acquire products and find a way to give them to me, I will accept. I can't encourage. I don't think I'm allowed on the radio to ask for those things. But, hey, if Steve's, if he's going to go out of his way to get some sweet corn and then find me in a back alley and throw me some, I'm down. I'm game. Uh, i got to take a break. After the break, I do want to shift gears to something slightly more serious uh, than, than talking about tomatoes, which I did for... All of 10 minutes. That was a lot of tomato talk. Um, I saw a story. It's an article out of uh, Cambridge in England about a rolling lockdown, no lockdown idea that scientists came up with to further kind of protect ourselves from any potential large outbreak and allow hospitals some time to respond to new cases. I don't know if this is sort of irrelevant for right now, because as we get to the summer, we might see a, a major pullback in cases, even as we we lower the guidelines as far as social distancing and or shelter in place. But a, a novel approach is, has been pitched by Cambridge, uh, Cambridge University. I'll discuss it because I, I think logically it's probably impossible to pull this off when you factor in like human beings and the mental side of the equation. But I guess from a scientific side, they think this might be uh, another alternative. I'll tell you what it is after this on AM 1230 WJBC. 1230 WJBC. Uh, before the break, I mentioned a new study out of Cambridge that was talking about their suggestion for how to handle the COVID-19 pandemic and a potential easing of restrictions as far as returning to normalcy. They call it the path to normalcy. What they're recommending is a 50-30 split. Uh, what I mean by that is 50 days of strict lockdown followed by 30 days of absolutely no restrictions whatsoever. 50 days spent in a strict uh, kind of the world we were just in, lockdown, and then 30 days, go ahead and live normal life, and then go back to the, the pattern. Uh, and the idea behind this, this approach would be to give medical personnel an opportunity to catch up as far as, as uh, potential diagnosis, potential illness were, were in play, and the amount of time it would take for those cases to, to go through our medical facilities and then wind up at a place where essentially we're, we're back on a downturn so we could loosen them again. 50 days of strict closed down, uh, strict lockdowns, and then 30 days of completely open. Uh, when you read those things, when you read that scientific data or whatever the, the things are they're saying point to the reasons why that would be valuable, you're, you're kind of forgetting a lot of this equation. Uh, one, of course, businesses, how could they possibly navigate in a world where that's what they were dealing with, 50 days of one thing, 30 days of another? And obviously, as we, we move forward here, the hope, I think, is that we're truthfully going to have a downturn in cases, or maybe, I, I mean, I'll say it this way, you might have more total cases announced, but less serious cases over the next few months because of the, the recession of the, the virus during the summer months like any other respiratory illness, that is the hope. That's not a for sure, but that's certainly what a lot of people are are 
looking forward to being likely to be the outcome of the next few months. Then when we get back to the fall, dealing with one more potentially serious time frame and then hopefully a vaccine being available on the market by the end of the year or early next year, something the stock market has very much responded positively to the news that that could be a thing. But obviously, maybe just for our own sake as, as an alternative that's out there in the world, Cambridge threw out this possibility. I can't envision anyone wanting this. 829-2345, I'd be curious in your response. I know that the 30 days of no restrictions whatsoever would sound tremendously attractive to anyone out there. Everything goes back to normal suddenly, and then you, after that 30-day period, almost would feel like, you know, it, I think it's way too much of a roller coaster and way too hard to navigate for any of the financial side of this conversation. But it is, at least to me, worth mentioning after I saw that story today because it's it's at least one approach that's been thrown out there. It's been, you know, given to the world in case, I guess, uh, horrifically, we ever have to deal with anything like this again and or we wind up finding that the the way in which we're handling it right now is not working the way that we hope it does. But that, to me, it's it's an odd story. It's an interesting uh, study, and it, obviously a lot of different variables go into play. But I just it just sounds utterly unrealistic. I mean, honestly, I think the president yesterday, when he was visiting the Ford facility, said the country will not shut down again, in his opinion, no matter what. Uh, he said, and I think that his belief is cases won't get bad enough for a need for that. Uh, but he said that in any given area, if there's a fire that starts, we'll put out the fire in that area but we won't affect the entire country. We will work in a different approach where we focus on the areas of need, which is something that I think in this state, at least for quite some time, we have wished had been the case for a little bit longer than it it appeared to have been. Certainly, I think we still, a lot of people would feel uh, a desire for it to be a regional approach, and that is what's being talked about at that level. A quick break, a lot more on AM 1230 with you for another hour. Uh, First this, then some news. Kim Commando coming up. Just Brian Walder. Remainder of your evening tonight, we'll see mostly cloudy skies, but a few showers are possible. An overnight low around 60, seeing cloudy skies right now. The sun is popping up. That's nice to see. And 72 degrees across the Twin Cities. Tomorrow, a few showers in the morning and then again in the afternoon with a high near 81. And on Sunday, temperatures will rise. That'll be good, but unfortunately, more showers is possible. A high near 86 on Sunday. It's 12 minutes past 5 o'clock. Get more news at the bottom of the hour, or as it happens, I'm Blake Haas on the voice of Central Illinois, WJBC and WJBC.com. He's the biggest Yankee fan in the Midwest. Back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. It's Craig Collins Show. AM 1230 WJBC with you for just another half an hour, an hour, I guess, actually. I I meant to say in a half hour, my wife will join us. Uh, She will join us from the telephone this time because she's actually at home making us dinner, which is awesome. And she said that she didn't want to come into the studio because she wants to finish the dinner to have it ready when I get home. And how do I ever say no to that? My wife is awesome for making us dinner every day. I'm a terrible, uh, horrible person for not knowing how to cook things. Uh, No, I'm kidding. I mean... I, it would be nice, I assume, for both of us if I learned some cooking. And people have tried to teach me. It just doesn't go as well as it should. Uh, I've talked about a few different stories over the last week or so about restaurants, cafes, etc., uh, doing different things to pr- promote social distancing in their establishments. Uh, most places, if they are open for indoor service, will only be capable of serving a small percentage of the amount of space they have. Indoor, outdoor services will all be quite a bit apart. The latest 
news story that falls in line with that same idea as everybody's trying to find the right way to to handle this process is a Japanese cafe that's going to put cuddly, I guess, very popular um, stuffed animals, uh, a certain specific type of stuffed animal. I don't even want to say the name of it because I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, throughout all the seats. So every other seat will be a stuffed animal. And since this is now like the seventh story I've found that has a version of this, famous people, photos of people, mannequins dressed all fancy, noodle hats and or bumper car tables, I ask you, 829 Two three four five. What would be the most friendly version of this for you when you go out to a restaurant? If you're going to go, if you're planning on eating outdoors once it becomes available here in Illinois in the next few weeks, what would you want to see around you? Would you just want a, a restaurant to embrace the emptiness, to be like, look, it's fine. You don't need to make fake things in these areas where people aren't. I'm just thrilled to be out. Or do you want some sort of additional uh, bedazzling, essentially, of the experience by adding other layers to it, adding other things? I don't know if we want, like, disco light and a lot of uh, things that way. I don't know what road you want to go down, but apparently people are going down all different kinds. I I am amused by the stuffed animal move. It is yet another response, another uh, concept here, and I guess if they're tremendously popular there, maybe everyone's thrilled to sit next to them. But at the same time, I don't think that, again, that's for me. I don't think this is what I'd want in my neighboring seats and or neighboring tables while eating out. Because eventually it just starts to feel like, you know, I could have done part of this at home. I can have a meal with stuffed animals. (laughs) My wife still has a couple, so I can figure that out if I want to. I'd rather just go out, be out, and even if the experience isn't the same, you know, even if there's not as many people there, at least I'm I'm out and enjoying myself uh, the way that we couldn't for so long. But you tell me, 829-2345, tell me on social media, however you want. What do you think companies, restaurants, movie theaters, whatever it is that eventually opens up and still needs that social distancing to be in effect, which will probably be in effect for quite some time, we probably won't be sitting less than six feet apart from each other until after this whole thing is is behind us sometime late this year, early next year. And so what what is the appropriate response? Would you be uh, less uh, likely to do things if you start to experience those empty ballpark site type things we're seeing as sports start to return, et cetera. Again, I don't, I don't think I would. I think I'd be just fine. Uh, in other news, I saw that Chris Pratt, a famous actor uh, in a bunch of stuff, Star-Lord, if you go nerd like I do and talk about his Marvel role, uh, he accidentally deleted 51,000 emails while doing a, a live stream and talking about how he was trying to get rid of some of the junk mail that he gets. I have multiple reactions to this thing. First and foremost, I guess it's not terribly surprising that a famous person like this on his personal email would have that many unread emails. No word on how many days it's been in between, you know, this set of 51,000 and his last set of 51,000. But my first question, have you ever known anyone that just didn't check emails? I know a few people. I know some now. I've known some in the past that just they'll proudly show you like their cell phone And that's the thing that always gets me the most, actually, is these people who don't check email at all, that just kind of refuse that level of technology, that level of input into their lives, also put the email on their phone. If you're not going to check it, why make it as available as possible to yourself? Why go the extra step of being like, all right, put in the password, put in all the stuff. Now it's on the phone. Screw it. I'm never checking it ever. It doesn't make any sense. But they'll proudly show you. They're like, look at that, 15,000, 21,000, whatever the numbers are. I think I knew a person that actually had like 100,000 at one point, although I don't know how long they had acquired them or maybe even how many emails are on their phone because you can put multiple ones there. 
But Chris Pratt, 51,000 emails, he wasn't going to check them. He freaks out in the video thinking to himself, man, that's not good. I think he even makes a joke about how it was sort of an IQ test that he failed. But but truthfully, you, you're never going to check that many. I mean, I guess when you're that level of fame, too, you're a millionaire, multimillionaire, you can probably hire somebody else to do it for you. So maybe that's a part of it. But 51,000 unread emails that he accidentally deletes by highlighting them. Like, come on. I mean, that's just never going to happen. How many days, how long does it take to go through that if you are someone that tries to do it? If you sit down, you're like, all right, this is the day. 51,000, I'm going to get I'm gonna get cracking. It just doesn't happen. It's I don't know. Maybe you sign up for one too many of those those email services or whatever. You get on one too many email accounts, newsletter accounts, something, and then you're just you're going nuts. But there's a number where I think you just give up, and it's way under 51,000. I think at like 500, I would feel like that task were daunting. Once it gets to be more, here, here's the rule. Once it gets to be more emails than there are minutes in, say, a regular workday, I'm out. I check out at that point. If it's too many minutes, if you couldn't do one email a minute and get it done in an eight-hour period, I am then for sure totally done. And anyone doing the mental math in their head, that is 480 total emails. So right around that 500 mark, I there a minute an email, do it in eight hours? No, I'm just done. I'm closing email forever and destroying it, which is apparently what Chris Pratt did by accident, and he was quite upset about it. But you've known someone that was quite proud of the fact that they have a tremendous amount. I mean, it almost is like a badge of, of popularity. They show it in a way they're like, look, so many people want to talk to me, and I don't care about any of them, which is sort of an odd thing, too. I brag about the fact that none of you mean anything to me. All right, i got to take a break. A lot more on AM 1230 WJBC. Trying to have a little more fun in the last hour. I would usually have music at some point on my Friday show, uh, but I had to reschedule one of the guests for this week, so no no quarantunes this Friday, but I hope to have uh, music back next week and then eventually hopefully have performances live in studio, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, but first, a quick break. A lot more coming up on AM 1230 WJBC. I have a story about something that's real. You might not have thought it was real, but you might have experienced it. It's called a quarantine dream. Apparently, a lot of us have been having very unusual dreams during this whole quarantine process. I have the science behind it and a lot of information about it. Plus, a golfer that tried to do a trick shot and endangered a person I don't think he should have endangered. Out of all the choices, not that you should endanger anybody, but if you're making a selection on, say, caddy and or girlfriend, there's sort of an obvious pick between those two. He made the wrong decision. It almost cost him. I'll talk about that, too, after this on AM 1230. Greg Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. Thrilled to be with you every single day, Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 o'clock on AM 1230. Give me a call, 829-2345, or reach me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show, and react to anything I'm talking about or things I'm not talking about. Uh, The choice is yours. I saw this story that a golfer, a professional golfer, uh, decided to try a trick shot. Now, the trick shot involves someone throwing him a club. Uh, He receives the, the club, an iron, and then he's trying to swing it in motion to get, I guess, what would be a perfect golf shot. It's a pretty challenging thing, even for a professional to do, because you're holding your hands back in a certain way. You're relying on the caddy, who's the guy lobbing him the club, to throw it in just the perfect fashion so you can immediately start your swing and hit the ball perfectly. Uh, He tried it several times, failed every single time he tried it, but then the reason that this is getting reported on at all, the reason that you can find it in the news after it happened yesterday is the last failed attempt. Uh, Of course, since he's trying to do a trick shot, 
it doesn't count if it's not videotaped and on the internet. It's, it doesn't matter if you and your friends experience something. That's not a real thing. It's only real when the internet gets to see it and weigh in and react to it. So his girlfriend was taping, and the position she was standing in was in front of the guy, not directly in front of him. She was off to the left side of him, but it's a golf shot, and the ball is going a certain direction. I am surprised to see that when he was deciding who to put where, and I get it, the caddy might, for some reason, be better at throwing a club at the guy, although I don't really know. I don't think that's the caddy's job. The fact that the girlfriend stood in front to videotape is a bold spot for her, and yeah, the last ball did hit her. The video then stops, and there seems to be some level of worry. She's okay, but I have to assume that's an ended relationship after you hit somebody with a golf ball, but I don't know. We'll see for an update. As of now, he says she's just got a bruise and will be fine, but again, I question the choice and the decision-making. Caller, what's your name? My name is Steve. Yep, what do you want to say, bud? Uh, I thought that was a great story. Uh, yeah, I got a feeling they'll have some patchwork to do with their golf team, at least those two. <laughs> For sure. What else did you want to say? I wanted to say uh, thanks to our veterans and oh, to yeah. uh, their families for, uh, you know, all they've done for us, uh, for America, for the people that are out there right now, uh, our troops, and um, that uh, really, really want to appreciate them from our hearts and uh that uh, we will always always remember them. And I would also like to say thanks to JBC and guys like you that have uh, kept us all informed of how things are going around here in the state of Illinois. And I'd have to say that you guys have done a, a great job of making the citizens, the American citizens here in Illinois, aware of what they were trying to do out of Chicago. So thank wow. you guys very much. Uh, thank you very much. That was kind praise, and I echo everything you said. I don't know if I deserve any credit, but everything you said about the station and about our veterans, they deserve a lot of credit, certainly the ones that lost their lives uh, fighting for our freedom. It's tremendous to honor them, and I hope we have a lot of uh, parades and things going on throughout the country, even though I know uh, there's certain rules in place. But thank you for the call, man. You bet. Have a good weekend. You too. Well, that was really nice of that guy. And again, I don't know if I ever deserve the praise. <laughs> if a promo says it and or a listener says it, I'm probably not the most. Uh, I, I don't think I bring you all the news you need all the time. I was just talking about a golfer who made the terrible decision of putting his girlfriend in front of him for a trick shot instead of the caddy. I mean, at this point, man, you know, if they're all sitting around a table uh, at this, there's always going to be a fight that breaks out when it's like, you could have put the caddy in front of you to, to record it, and I could have been standing behind lobbing you the, the iron. But no, not the road they went. But thanks again to Steve for calling in and uh, uh, saying some kind things about us, even as I'm doing a story like that. News up next. A quick break, though, first on AM 1230 WJBC. Illinois ABC Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. From Heart of Illinois ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Cloudy skies for the rest of the day today with a few breaks of sunshine. Temperatures in the 70s, a little bit warmer than the last couple of days, and expect the mild weather to continue overnight tonight. Low temperatures close to 60, mostly cloudy skies continuing. And we'll see a warm front pass through the area overnight. Could see some scattered showers and storms late tonight into tomorrow morning along the front. A few more thunderstorms possible later in the day. Can't rule out a couple of stronger ones tomorrow. Otherwise, a warmer and muggier day with high temperatures reaching the low 80s. A few scattered showers and storms possible once again on Sunday. Otherwise, partly sunny skies. Warm and muggy with high temperatures in the mid-80s. Then showers and thunderstorms likely on Memorial Day for Monday's forecast. 
High temperatures staying in the 80s. Daily rain chances and warm weather continues for the upcoming work week. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. It's 72 degrees and 39 minutes past 5 o'clock. Get more news at the top of the hour, or as it happens, I'm Blake Haas on the voice of Central Illinois, WJBC and WJBC.com. You're listening to The Greg Collins Show on WJBC. It's Greg Collins Show. I am 1230 WJBC. Uh, first, I want to take a second. I, I waited till toward the tail end of the show just because, I, I don't know. I don't know why I waited. Actually, I probably should have done it sooner. Um, Jerry Sloan passing away, which has been talked about in our news, uh, is obviously tremendously sad, as any of these uh, passings are. But you might not realize just how connected he is to our state, to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and it would be silly for me to say it that way to some NBA fans, but a lot of people don't. They see him as a Utah Jazz head coach. They don't necessarily remember him as a guy that was drafted when the Bulls were an expansion team. He was drafted back during an expansion draft in 1966 and became what many refer to as the original Bull. He was known for his tenacious defense on the court, leading the team to the playoffs in their first season as as an NBA team and to their first and only division title before the Michael Jordan era. After the series of knee injuries, he had to retire in 1976 He scored more than 18 points a game in 70-71 and had three other seasons of more than 15 points a game, which was a lot more then than it sounds like. And at a height of 6'5", he was a career rebounding. He had a career rebounding average of 7.4 rebounds per game. His number is retired uh, with the Chicago Bulls, considered one of the greatest in franchise history, that number being number four. So it is a sad day, and a a former Chicago Bull, uh, Jerry Sloan, passed away obviously as stated he uh, was battling an illness but uh, it's it's sad and and you may not remember uh, or be aware at all uh, of how deep his connection goes to the Chicago Bulls organization he also of course coached with the Bulls in the late 70s and early 80s before winding up with the Utah Jazz from the 80s all the way until 2011. Uh, Moving on to other news in the day uh, I teased this story before the news break you might be having strange dreams and you would not at all be alone a Twitter account, Quarren Dreams, popped up on social media a few days ago and was flooded with people talking about all different kinds of dreams they were having and how they may or may not relate to our universal life experience right now. Everything from dreams very specific to Russia, uh, apparently. Uh, one guy dreaming that he was a, a cartoon character named Jimmy Neutron uh, who was traveling to Russia for specific things, other people dreaming about how they would go to a, a grocery store and no one would be socially distant from them and they'd wake up feeling as if it were a nightmare. Just a tremendous amount of dreams that in one way, shape, or form are probably tied to the fact that, that life day-to-day is so so strange. And also the fact, and I've talked about this before, I think both on and off the air, we're connected always to our cell phones and reading and news and information. And right now is probably the worst possible time for that to be a true thing. For that to be something we're doing as you fall asleep each night, looking at the top stories that pop up on your cell phone, they're almost likely, they're very likely to be tied to some some negative things you might not want to be reading and seeing. And beyond that information, it's probably a bad time to consume that right before going to bed. A psychologist from Harvard weighed in on this and said that, of course, the the world in which we experience winds up sticking with us even after we've We've gone to sleep for the evening. Uh, Her name is Dr. Barrett. She told the Los Angeles Times that virus-related imagery, such as a lot of bug 
dreams are things she's been hearing from doctors, nurses, and other clients she has. She believes that as we go throughout the day, there's certain things that stick way back in the back of your mind uh, that you just don't really fully flesh out until you're asleep. Another doctor who weighed in on this uh, as well, uh, Dr. Borsnack, <laughs> who's uh, an international association of dream study doctor, said, I'm working currently in the U.S., Australia, India, China, and Japan. Story is the same everywhere you go. People are dreaming up a storm, and a lot of the dreams are unique and ones that they haven't had before. So, of course, that is, as is anything else, tied to maybe the fact that our minds are just too busy at night. If you're consuming this information, thinking about a lot, and then falling asleep, it might be a pretty crazy time for you to say to yourself, man, like that's this is an inopportune time to be dreaming, to be reading this kind of stuff. Um, so maybe we should all take a good break from it for that reason, too. Uh, after extensive study in this area, uh, the uh, one of the other psychologists quoted said, we're dealing with a very intense cluster of our primal existential anxieties right now, fear of loss of loved ones, fear of our own potential uh, death, fear of suffering, fear of watching others suffer, loss of contact with individuals, etc. We're dreaming to keep our lid on and contain ourselves during a day and a night that are so similar. And that's such an interesting way to say that day, night, etc. It is and it can feel the same day in and day out like the movie Groundhog Day. So maybe in some ways, I guess that dreaming is a good thing. It's getting all those feelings out, uh, maybe because you're not getting them out enough on your own. I don't know. Uh, Universal Orlando Resorts is set to reopen. They have new guidelines that they've spoken about, including having all guests screened for their temperature and requiring the use of sanitizer throughout the uh, entertainment place, throughout the 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 studio. Uh, after reportedly receiving the go-ahead from Florida and their task force to open, Universal has confirmed that their studios in Florida, Island of Adventure, and Volcano Bay will reopen on June 5th, albeit with several new health and safety standards. Uh, they spoke about this saying, the carefully managed reopening comes with stringent new health safety and hygiene procedures that are in place. So as we enjoy our parks together, enjoy, we will everyone will need to follow the CDC guidelines and the recommendations of health officials and Universal Orlando policies. I wonder if this is the time when you would also partake in those kind of things, much like other things I've talked about on the show. Are you in a position, are you of the, the opinion that if these guidelines are followed, even in a place as big as a theme park, even in a, in a location where the desire is to have as many people as possible come through those doors, sit in the same, you know, rides, et cetera, a lot of interaction potentially, even with socially distancing distance in place. And yet there's a confidence there and a confidence between the officials and, of course, the company that would be making such a crucial decision that it makes sense to open. They will have reduced hours. They will be open from 9 to 6 and or 10 to 5, depending on which of those facilities it is that they're discussing. And they will have a lot of strict rules in place, including uh, the requirement to be socially distant, which would also be odd waiting for a roller coaster because the line is already so long. I can't imagine it going, you know, through the park and around the corner because everyone has to keep that that space. But it's important. It's, you know, uh, the kind of thing you have to do. They are also targeting a 50 percent total capacity as the, the cutoff. And I know that I even heard I think it was Andrew Cuomo out of New York talking about beaches and how if you want to go to these locations, a lot of people will probably want to go. And with capacity being limited the way it's so likely to be limited everywhere, you're going to have to plan ahead, get up, go earlier, because there'd be nothing worse than planning an evening and not being able to get in. I wonder if that will also be the case here. I wonder if a lot of our locations, a lot of our outdoor eating, if all of that will be subject to 
the demand being so high that it'll be hard to, you know, get a table or, or get service at a certain area just because they can't conceivably add more people to the equation. And I actually saw an interesting story. I think that another friend of the show, Justin Boyd, shared this on his social media profile, and it's a plan out of Chicago where restaurants might be able to take over streets. Essentially, it'd be similar to if you had like a, a street festival in a certain area. You have one street remain open and one street completely closed down. And on the street that's closed, you allow additional seating, additional availability for people to, to go to the restaurants, to sit outside of whatever restaurant it is if they don't have outdoor eating already, if they don't have an outdoor patio, et cetera. Uh, there might be a way to to take and move some of our of our streets downtown wherever to accommodate, to facilitate that kind of um, interaction, that kind of service, that kind of uh, dining experience. And that would be really interesting to be sitting in the middle of a street that's supposed to be, you know, active and be eating and enjoying a meal. It would actually be great. I do agree with Justin that it's a great idea and one that we should absolutely explore because as you heard the, the mention earlier this week that we will reopen to predominantly outdoor services you do wonder a little bit about the locations that can't utilize that, that even though it sounds great that, hey, reopening is starting, people are are capable of going places and businesses can can serve customers again and serve uh, food at restaurants. Well, if there's certain requirements and you don't have what it takes to to do that, then you're still in the same position you were earlier this week, that your business still can't open. You can't continue to to have customers come in the door. You can't get revenue back. And so it would be interesting if we find a way to add to that instead of subtract from it and give businesses an opportunity to serve more people. I'm not sure what you think of that, 829-2345. I'd love for you to weigh in. I also saw a lot of uh, anger on social media toward actor John Krasinski because he sold a product that he just recently created. The website, the YouTube page, I should say, is called Some Good News. Uh, The actor put together... A bunch of, and by the way, the the article in the New York Post mentions he has a squeaky clean reputation. He's a very, you know, every man kind of guy as far as celebrities go, the public impression of him anyway. Uh, Famous for playing a every man sort of dude on The Office. Um, But he created a website or created a, a channel on YouTube that just talked about good news. It has been purchased. It has been purchased by one of the bigger broadcasting companies out there, and he made an unspecified amount of money, but probably a, a decent chunk of money. He only created 14 total episodes of this product before he was approached and, and sold it to a broadcasting company. A lot of people are upset, though. They, they are accusing him of selling out. They're accusing him of the concept being great, but the money being something that he turned to when the time came. And what's interesting about that, uh, and not just his move to CBS, where... I assume more people will get to consume it, but how much it reminds me of like any band ever. Whenever you love a band and you feel like they're under the radar, no one knows about these guys. They've never made any money uh, or not a lot of money for what they're doing, and I love them. And the minute they start to to make money off whatever their idea is, whatever their their sound is, a lot of people turn on them. I don't know why that is. I don't know what makes this idea worse now that it's you know been purchased. Uh, One of the tweets from someone that was very critical of the idea said, mmm, the sweet, sweet taste of capitalism, as if that were inherently a bad thing, too, by the way, which also confuses me. Uh, The good news premise and the the quirky way in which he created it is valuable, 
and apparently so much so that that Viacom and CBS want to buy it from him and create it with him, and him selling it to them is somehow bad. I don't know. I'm, like, following the boxes, and I'm trying to check them all, and then all of a sudden I get lost in there. But a lot of people are upset that he sold out on his good news idea that, you know, I... I don't know. I think a lot of people want this, but a lot of people would be interested in seeing this. And by having it on a television station, more people will consume it. That should be good. I got a break. A lot more coming up on the show. I will end the show the same way I do every day. I will clap for all of the people still fighting COVID-19, whether it's uh, those who are ill and those who are treating that illness, uh, the doctors, the, the nurses, everyone involved in the healthcare profession. Also, of course, anyone that's been working throughout the quarantine uh, as restrictions get eased and we start to go back to normal life, it may be hard to remember that for a, a period there, quite a few months, we had people going to grocery stores when everyone else was still was uh, told to stay at home that worked and allowed us to to buy the products, buy all the toilet paper uh, when there's so little that we could we could do. So thank you to all of them. That's how I'll end the show today, and I'll do it until the end of this whole thing. Even long after maybe it feels like I should, I will continue to applaud because there will still be those fighting uh, either uh, for their own lives, uh, fighting to protect people, fighting to to heal people, our police officers, our firefighters doing their job and putting their lives on the line. They have lost lives and all this. Maybe uh, not many locally that I know of uh, that died of COVID-19, but certainly ones uh, nationally that have. Um, so all of those individuals, we, we salute you and we thank you. Uh, first, a quick break, a lot more on AM 1230. I want to talk about why Las Vegas weddings are tremendously popular right now and what your gym might look like once it inevitably opens after this. Forecast tonight, mostly cloudy, mild. A few showers and storms are possible, a low of 60. Tomorrow, a few showers and storms again early. Then during the afternoon, a high of 81. Sunday, a few isolated storms, but a high of 86. Right now at AM 1230, WJBC, 72 degrees. Uh, Betty joins me on the show for the last minute or two. Uh, how you doing, Betty? Good, good. Thank you, Craig. Glad to have you on. We only have a minute or two left, so we will clap for the the healthcare workers in just a second. I want to ask you, though, uh, Las Vegas weddings are at an all-time high. This is where people go and kind of elope. Not a big ceremony, not a lot of people, uh, but they just do it because that's a very popular thing to offer in Vegas. We had a huge wedding in, in Mexico. Would you have liked it if in a time like now we had just done a really tiny little wedding in a place like an Elvis Presley, uh, an Elvis Presley wedding place, a cathedral, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you even call it, uh, but one of those venues in Vegas. Uh, no, I would rather prefer to wait for the future to gotcha. have like a real wedding. Really? You wouldn't want me to do my fake Elvis voice, like uh, sing a couple songs while we're getting married and maybe? No. Okay. All right. Well, we didn't have to do it that way, but a lot of people are now, and I thought it was kind of funny. But with just about a minute left on the show, we'll do what we always do, Betty. We'll go ahead and applaud all of the people still fighting. So thank you very much for everything you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's, it's going to be a hard road and a long road to come all the way back. Uh, we're just starting that process now. Uh, people are still getting sick. People are still losing their lives from COVID-19. So it's important to remember that even as you advocate for and try to get us back. Um, and are you looking forward to me finally getting a haircut, Betty? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's getting pretty long, right, the hair? I'm looking kind of crazy these days. Yeah, it's puffy and long. <laughs> puffy? Hey, you mean because I, I have a lot of curly hair, so when I wake up in the yeah. morning, it's like there's a Brillo pad on top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And you wanted to cut it, right? Yes. Maybe I still let you do it because there's going to be so much demand at those salons. Maybe I should, you know, let well, other people I'm take that. Asking-